Hello and welcome to another mining podcast with me, Paul Harris and Joe Mazumda of Exploration Insights. Morning, Joe. Good morning. And this is the Another Mining Podcast shit show, and we have a shit list to talk about today. Uh, what do I mean by that? There have been some very high-profile uh, failures or misses with projects recently uh, due to resources not being there that were thought to be there, mining issues and CapEx blowouts. So we'll be talking about various of the issues surrounding these and digging deeper into some of these. Um, on our shit list, we have Gatto Silver, we have Vizsla Silver, we have Three Valley Mining, we have Argonaut Gold and we have Pure Gold Mining. Um, any initial comments, Joe, before we get into this? Yeah, well, I think we did a show on Argonaut. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I, I think uh, we hit that one pretty hard. Uh, but I think uh, later what we'll try and do is, is is sort of sum up how we could see that coming in, in some other project, because project development is is a big issue going forward with, with all the uh, capital increases, the supply chain issues and things like that. Um, I would say things like Gato Silver, Vizsla Silver, and at least pure gold. Um, I don't know as much about Three Valley, but those three are very resource related in terms of, you know, potentially getting the resource wrong. And in pure gold's, uh, you know, uh, case, they were actually mining it at the point. That's uh, and then also in Gato Silver's case. Sorry, I think that's uh, very much the case for Three Valley Mining as well because they yeah. weren't getting the the tons or or the grade. So it sounds, you know, they were already mining. They weren't getting the tons or the grade. So it sounds like a resource issue as well, perhaps. Well, well, what tends to happen is you do get the tons. Like that's what happened with Gato. They were getting the tons, but they weren't getting the grade. And to get the ounces, they actually had to increase the tons uh you know uh but then you know according to their feasibility study they weren't getting the grade that they were planning on getting um and and, and so the, the, and with gato silver specifically i highlighted for subscribers was anybody from outside and i was outside looking in initially that they they saw a news release come out in early january that said Oh, hey, uh, we had a great quarter. We're 20 to 30% up on last quarter. And so, you know, everything's looking good. And from an outside point of view, it goes, wow, well done. And then the next release, I think it was two weeks later, said that, oh, you know, we looked at our resource and, uh, you know, we've just been mining for this past year. And uh, we, it looks like we're going to take, you know, a 30 to 40% hit on our resources and reserves. You know, we'll get back to you in six months and go, whoa. And so obviously the share price tanked. But then if we look back, we could see the COO departed in the middle part of the year. For an underground vein deposit, there seemed to be a lot of measured, which is the highest category of resource for, for a vein deposit, a silver vein deposit that's, that's being drilled predominantly from surface. So that's, that's assuming a lot more uh, knowledge of how the grade continuity works, then, then, then it's probably evident with the, with, with the drilling spacing. But then also in terms of the resource estimation method, they used ordinary Krieging, which is usually, you know, just for non-technical people, is usually for, used for disseminated deposits that, you know, that you could drill with wider spacing, not, not usually for vein deposits. You know, vein deposits usually have something like inverse distance squared, cubed, uh, or something like that. And then you also use other methods to see if uh, you get the same number. But what was interesting was when they did compare methods, they couldn't, on the nearest neighbor, they couldn't get to the same number. So it's almost suggesting that every other method suggested that the tonnage should be less than, than what they were modeling. 
and and in the end, uh, if you look at what they were saying that they were going to get from the feasibility study and what they actually got, there was a big difference in grade. And then also what I noticed was quarter to quarter, the grade would change a lot. Like it would go up 20%, down 20%, things like that, which, in, which, which, which means there's a lot of variability in the vein, which, which is not nothing unusual. It just doesn't seem like it was modeled correctly. Now that the Gatto silver chart is perhaps a textbook example of a share price falling off a cliff. It went from about almost $13 per share down to below $4 per share, almost in about as many minutes. It's, uh, forgive the pun, it's had a bit of a, a dead cat bounce um, based on sort of geopolitical news and the rise in the silver price. And they've recovered to, from under $4 to over $5 at the time of this podcast. Now, the, oh, that's, the most, funny. that's funny though, Paul, the dead cat bounce. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd like that. Now, like um, the, the most recent example is uh, Vizsla Silver, who um, put out their maiden resource estimate, and then within 24 hours, they had to restate it because uh, they'd made an error in the gold equivalent, um, their gold equivalent calculation. Um, you, you put a, a couple of interesting comments in your weekly newsletter about this, didn't you? Well, the thing is about Vizsla, it's, it's it's by no means as uh, as critical, or uh, you know, uh, as as what happened with Gato because they're obviously not mining it at this point. It's just a maiden resource, but you know, it behooves me uh, like like them is that that they you know spent all this time drilling it obviously, uh, uh, and then they've got all these people looking at it. And what apparently happened was, um, you know, their cutoff grade, I believe, was about 150 grams per ton silver equivalent. Uh, and um, if you did the silver equivalent on the silver equivalent ounces that you would generate from the resource that they put out, uh, you would get something like uh, I calculated about 15% less silver equivalent ounces than they said that they had, you know. so. Um, uh, that's an automatic issue, but but then when they re-estimated, what they found was, you know, by having a lower silver equivalent uh, cutoff grade than they thought they had, they had more tonnage and lower silver grade. So the silver grade of the first resource, which incidentally they've taken off their website, uh, you can still find it on CDAR, but you'd have to go look for it, uh, was actually 150 grams per ton silver. So it's almost equivalent to the 150 gram per ton silver equivalent cutoff grade. It was just silver. So, uh, you know, you'd want the silver grade to be higher than that. And so in the new resources, the tonnage went down by 25 to 30%, as did the silver equivalent ounces, but the silver grade went up to, I believe, about 190 or something like that. And, and, and then what, what dropped were the lead and zinc uh, 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 volumes. I think one of the, the sort of interesting comments you made when in your comments about this, Joe, was that uh, one one of the selling points of the company that had been marketing greatly is that uh, the, the the get the sorry the Vizsla Silver team has cumulative or aggregate ex experience totaling more than one hundred and eighty five years, and um, despite that, they made the schoolboy error of you know a missed you know perhaps a simple to miss but a simple missed calculation of, of their numbers. What was I thought was interesting as well as they had the uh, the person that did the resource basically say, "Oh, I didn't know how this error, you know, the the model was correct. We just made a 
you know, a funny error in the background under the hood or something like that. But, but you know, if, if you've got a VP of exploration, if you've got technical advisors, if you've got a board that's, uh, you know, that's, that's there for this kind of a grassroots exploration company that's building up to a resource, you got a lot of eyes, hopefully, as a shareholder, which I'm not, uh, um, you know, looking at this to check all these numbers because this is your maiden resource. This is what everyone's got their eyes on and you're just coming into the BMO conference and you're just about to present. You know, you, you'd want to have all those T's crossed and I's dotted on your maiden resource and something like this that comes out is, is just like, uh, it, it looks like amateur hour. It does seem like they put out the, their initial maiden resource and then somebody external caught the 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 error yeah sort of emailed in or phoned in or something said hey these numbers don't add up and they had to sort of quickly uh, uh run around and recalculate and but, but it wasn't just it wasn't just a recalculation on the and just saying oh hey you know what the, the silver equivalent ounces are about uh whatever they were for me they were about 15 percent less than what i said they went back and restated the entire resource they dropped the tonnage you know, uh, and, and they changed the amount of lead and zinc and they changed the silver grade and the gold grades. You know, I'll, I'll, there was a lot of changes in the background because apparently they applied a different silver equivalent grade uh, to the resource, which included a lot more tons of lower grade material, which produce the original maiden resource. Once they recalculated the resource using this other cutoff grade, then they tightened it up lowered the tonnage and increased the silver grid. So there was more than just, oh, hey, you know, my number was wrong on this calculation. It was, oh my God, my number is wrong on this calculation. I'm gonna to have to go back and look at, relook at what I actually have in terms of a resource. And that's what they, re, that's what they reissued. And as you mentioned, um, for Visla Silver, it's a, at this stage, it's a less critical error because it's their maiden resource. They've got a long way to go before getting into production. You know, they've yeah. got to do PEA, PFS, and all the rest of it. So they've got more than enough time to correct, improve, and uh, hopefully produce better results going forward. But, but you remember, like with uh, Newfound Gold, I believe that they had a lot of issues with their gold grade, and they were talking about using whole core, and they brought in that... Uh, Chrysos uh, uh, to do the photon assay method, though the you know the interview we've had previously, uh, because they're worried about what their resource would actually look like and what you know that whether it was reproducible, um, and and so uh, they could see that coming before they issued a maiden resource. Uh, that was that was a thing that Gato Silver didn't see coming, you know, and and you wanted to do more work up front as much as you can on the resource before you pass it over to the engineers who go in assuming that it's there. They're not going to recheck your numbers. They're just going to go in and get it. So if it's not there, it's not there. Uh, if I remember correctly, the issue at Newfound Gold was that they weren't able to replicate some of their high-grade hits. Yeah, which, which is like if you take half the core and that core had the gold in it and this one didn't, yeah, and, and that's the same issue that they used to have at Pretium. Uh, and so now they'll probably do whole core analysis. But then, you know, you always worry when somebody tells you that, hey, all the grade was here, and then you look at the core and there's no core. Um, so, yeah, it, it, but 
it's the nature of the beast with these very high grade deposits, you know, they can show great intersections, but the problem is continuity. And then if you're drilling with one hole here and another hole 15 meters away, you know, and then if you split the core, even that gradation, you know, says, okay, the goal is here, but it's not there. And then you're trying to calculate a resource based on 15 meter sampling, you know, uh, with, with drill core, you go, well, Jesus, you know, uh, this is going to be tough to reproduce and get a resource that actually reflects what's actually there. And, and a resource that you can actually put a mine plan on. Exactly, exactly. And then what you would end up with is a lot of volatility, you know, that you would, and people, people, you know, there is an issue with people thinking that, oh, hey, look at the quarter, it's great. And they got positive reconciliation. My problem is the difference in the reconciliation, not the whether it's positive or negative sometimes it's just that how big it is so if you get a 20 percent positive reconciliation then i'm worried that one quarter you're going to get a negative 20 percent reconciliation because your ability to predict the grade isn't very good yeah okay let's uh, talk about uh, another company three valley mining put out a, a news release today and um, they had a they put out a in, in january they suspended operations at their Don Gabriel copper mine in Chile because it was delivering fewer ores, sort of fewer ore tons at lower grade than forecast. And uh, this is an example of where uh, the numbers being wrong uh, can be an existential threat to the survival of the company. Um, so back in January, they suspended Don Gabriel. And also because they weren't getting the cash flow from Don Gabriel, they also suspended their Papamano block mine, uh, block cave development. Uh, their news release out this morning was... Uh, them announcing that uh, they've arranged with their senior uh, debt provider to continue to provide funds to finance the Papamano block cave development. So um, they've sort of got out of it a little bit, but uh, Don Gabriel, they've still got no solution for. There's still going to be a lot of work needed there before they're in a position to potentially restart that. Um, quite easily, that could have signaled the end of the company. Yes, I mean, the thing is that it's very difficult for them to return to the equity markets when you screw up on one project and say, give me money to build this other one, which is might be more complicated as it's bulk tonnage, uh, you, you said it's block caving underground? Yeah. Yeah, which is not easy and not everybody can do. Um, so then you're worried like, oh, if you can't do this, why do you, why, why should I believe you can do that? You know, this is the easy one and that's the hard one. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure that the, the terms of the extension of the debt agreement were favorable to the debt holders, uh, because I doubt if there was a lot of people banging down the door to, to get access to their debt or to give them money. So, uh, so even in a positive copper market environment, if you can't prove you actually have the copper, uh, you know, you could be in trouble. Uh, and, and, and so if you're going to start with the smaller project to generate cash flow, you know, you, you want to make sure you got it right. And it sounds like, and I don't know this one as intimately as I do Gato and, uh, and Vizla is, is that it sounds like the resource had some issues. And interesting enough, I think it's a case of, um, the lender, the senior secured lender realized that if it didn't put more money in its whole investment has gone. So at least this way, it's looking to. Uh, try and salvage something. Um, use the interesting figure of C super senior secured funds, which I haven't heard before, or maybe it was super duper <laughs> senior secured funds, something like that. 
supersize me on the senior. Uh, Extra senior, yeah. I don't know, centenarian senior kind of fun. But I mean, we, we've seen that previously. I mean, I remember like, you know, just looking at a streaming sort of example of this with, uh, with that uh, gold project that Sandstorm had a stream on, but their stream was limited to a box basically around the processing facility and what they were mining there. Uh, that company needed more capital and Sandstorm basically said that we don't have to give you any more capital because our streams on just this box. Uh, but they said that if you do not get, you know, help us out here with the capital, we'll start taking our ore from outside that box such that your stream won't apply anymore. And so then they basically ended up giving them some money, but that could have easily, that project could have easily went bankrupt as well uh you know so sometimes even though you think that you're the last money in you know when something screws up you know uh, you know the question is do i just pull the plug on it or do i add a little bit more capital to have a higher probability i'll get my initial capital back okay um now three valley that there is mining um i mentioned that in the start that uh, also on our list is pure gold mining they were mining when they realized that things weren't going as planned what 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 what's, what happened there well pure gold uh, was was an interesting situation where they put out a feasibility study and then when i talked to them uh they realized at that point that they needed two declines to get the access to ore to get the throughput and the higher grade that they required versus the feasibility plan, which was just a single decline, they needed a double decline. And so right away, I noticed, I, you know, I knew that the capital that they had planned in the feasibility study wasn't the mine plan they were building. Uh, and, then, and then the other problem was that because of the limited access to uh, the high grade zones or, you know, what they thought were high grade zones, they had to go to the other zones just to basically mine and get into commercial production. You know, I think part, partly because that was a requirement of some of their um, some of the facilities that they got to build the mine. And so when they went in there, they found that it was lower grade than they thought. But then the mining forced them to take more um, external dilution. But also the grade was lower because they had internal dilution. So if you've got a square block and you're mining it, the external dilutions around the block where I had to take more just to geotechnically be able to extract the ore out of there because it wasn't stable enough. And then internal dilution is within the square block saying, okay, here's a dike that I hadn't modeled and they said that plainly, they stated it, that, that these, 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 these dikes that are post-mineral or an unaltered and unmineralized, we didn't model very well or not at all, such that that lowered the grade as well, because you thought that grade went through the entire thing, but it didn't, because there's here's a one meter dike that's, that's not mineralized that you're sending to the plant. So something that you thought you were gonna get six plus grams, you ended up getting two. I think one of the interesting things there is that pure gold was, uh, you know, talking about the pure gold mine as being the highest grade underground gold mine in, in Canada. Um, and people often say that grade is king, but uh, that's uh, not always a, a something to rely oh, upon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Any other issues like, that can come into it. Absolutely. So if you have high grade, that's great. But the problem is that, uh, you know, then you as an investor say, okay, where's that high grade? How good is that? grade how good's that resource that that's reflects that high grade 
Uh, what's the metallurgy? Is it a simple? What kind of recoveries do you get? Uh, uh, that, and then what, what is the strip ratio if it's an open pit? Uh, and then these issues with dilution. You know, uh, some of these underground vein mines can have, you know, almost 200% plus dilution that you have to take because you might be taking a thin little vein and then you have to take everything around it, which might be one and a half meters, two meters of zero grade. Uh, so uh, yeah, grade always looks great, but then you wanna look at in the end, what comes out and uh, what does that look like? Uh, and so is, is there a big difference between what's a resource grade and what ends up being a reserve grade? Okay, Let, let's move on to Argonaut Gold. We've spoken about Argonaut Gold before, but they had a, a big CapEx blowout. And again, that could potentially uh, be the end of a company if it's not able to um, arrange or rearrange its financing. Um, they're still in the, they've just done a capital raise, but they still need to secure more financing to, to complete the build of Magino in, uh, in Ontario, in Canada. What, what's going on there, do you think? Well, I mean, the thing is that uh, they came out with a capital number and, and, and some of the issues with that capital number we've spoken of before about when the previous study was done and when the new study came in. Um, and, and, and I believe also it had something to do with the people that they did uh, had for the study. Uh, the reason, you know, they are geotechnically that they didn't, uh, you know, do a good job of modeling the glacial overburden and uh, changing how, uh, you know, what they had to take out for putting the infrastructure on stable footing. So a lot of those things, and then also absolutely having like a 180 on the power. So saying, oh, we're going to get grid power and then suddenly deciding that uh, we're not going to be able to get grid power and meet our timeline. So all of these came in with this push to build it you know, within a certain window. Uh, and then they realized they weren't really prepared, I think. Um, so the, the, I think one of the issues is that Argonaut, you know, uh, made its value, I guess, was a leveraged gold play where they, it was open pit heap leach deposits in Mexico when then they acquired a large open pit milling operation in Northern Ontario in a different kind of climate. And, and maybe the skill sets just weren't there. And maybe there was an over-dependence on the consulting firm that put the feasibility study there. And then they find out later that it's not, uh, it doesn't work very well. I think this one caused uh, quite a shock in the market because um, the company recently reported record production for 2021 of more than 244,000 ounces. But despite the cash flow from that, you know, it ran into uh, the CapEx blowout at Magino and therefore funding issue. Um, as partial resolution for that, the, the company's also recently announced at the start of March that it's going to hedge uh, some 90,000 ounces of gold production over the next 12 months at more than $1,900 per ounce uh, in order to provide some kind of financial security for, um, for the rest of the development and as it hopes to set up some, uh, some additional financing uh, to help it uh, out of its CapEx hole. So, Joe, one of the reasons I sort of left uh, Argonaut Gold to, to the end of our shit list is because, you know, they expect their, their mine development to cost more than they originally thought. And uh, given that we're, we are in an inflationary environment, I suspect that this may be a, a theme that comes up 
uh, more than once in the next 12 months. Um, as an example of that, um, Integra Resources just put out its pre-feasibility study and albeit a very different project to the one it had in its, or it scoped out in the pre-preliminary economic assessment, it had a big capex increase and, and the market hated it. So yeah. going forward, developers over the next 12 months, they face uh, price inflation. So it's quite feasible that there's going to be some more sort of capex blowouts, perhaps not to the extent that Argonaut had at Magino, but, you know, being able to produce, uh, deliver projects on budget, that's perhaps going to be very hard over the next 12 or 18 months. Yes. And so to watch out for would be uh, the timing of the feasibility study. So in terms of how much inflation has been absorbed and how much is being forecast in it, what are the, uh, the big ticket items that uh, might uh, cause delays uh, in the development and delays in the development costs more money. And then also uh, infrastructure. And so if it's remote, uh, you know, when there's issues with delays, that gets exacerbated by the fact that it's remote and you might have people standing by and that costs more money. Um, the, uh, yeah, the timing of the report and the people that are actually building the project, what experience do they have with the company to build that same type of project in this type of environment that that's another key so uh, and who have they hired to help them internally not just consulting but internally uh, because they they obviously have a different uh, mindset when it's them internally that's that's doing the project development versus uh, somebody from outside that's getting paid an extra fee for doing one component of the entire plan, you know, owner uh, versus uh, the, the non-owner uh, component. I think we can also expect to see some, let's say opportunistic buying of long lead time items. Um, timing your purchases could be very, very critical. One of the sort of people I, I spoke to at the, the BMO Metals and Mining Conference recently said that, you know, if you're looking to buy um, a gold plant sort of 12 months out, you can expect up to 100% price inflation. But if you go in 18 months out, that comes down to sort of perhaps just 50% or even 25% price inflation. So, so timing of your purchases is going to be a critical thing. Yeah. And, and, and also, like, is there a used plant out there, you know, that, that you could get to, uh, to work? Uh, uh, that sort of thing. And, and have you... So there is always this... You know, in terms of permitting, oh, I, I don't have the permit yet, but I think I got a good chance of getting it. Do I use my working capital to put a down payment on a specific ball mill or, or, or something like that uh, to take that risk out, you know, because I'm pretty sure I'm going to get the permit. And so if you're sure about getting the permit, then it's probably not a bad idea to get, uh, get the, uh, um, uh, the, uh, some of these items uh, uh, before. But then, you know, cost inflation is definitely an issue. Uh, but the other issue that we have is, you know, a lot of these producers don't have much growth and, uh, you know, they've been buying operating assets to basically uh, avoid the permitting and capital escalation risk. But, you know, as we move down the road, it's harder and harder probably to get these operating assets, you know, uh, so they might have to look 
you know, upstream, uh, where, whereas it's King Ross and Great Bear, which is extremely upstream in terms of exploration, but uh, are, are we going to see development assets starting to get taken out as people look to say, oh, you know, you're gonna, you got a good chance of getting permitted, you know, uh, you know well, uh, we could build this project. I think if you face the, the, the prospect of a, you know, let's say a 30 or 50% capital inflation to, to build a project, it perhaps even makes more sense to buy an existing asset or operation at a 30 to 50 cent premium. You know, it's already built, you know, it's there, you know, it, it works. Um, that, you know, doing M&A and, for those kind of assets makes- even And that's the trend. And that has been the trend to buy operating assets. But I think just as much for the capital escalation as for the permitting risk, uh, that is what, but I mean, uh, these are sort of running out. That, that, that's my point, uh, you know, so uh, how many more are there for these companies to buy? But I, you know, uh, definitely take your point that paying the premium on operating asset from a suitor perspective makes a lot of sense uh, in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, an acquisition, in terms of uh, getting a lower risk acquisition. I I, I take on board your comments about um, with single asset developers, you know, is the management team fit for purpose? Is it experienced building the kind of asset that it's got in its hands? Um, but you know, taking a step back from there, you know, is it perhaps best to avoid single asset developers when they get to that asset development stage? Um, with this, um, the added potential of uh, possibility of things not going to plan, um, is that perhaps another reason to you know get out of single asset developers and redeploy your capital in in, in other companies? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely what retail, uh, the perspective there is to, you know, when somebody transitions into, let's say, a, a scoping study and beyond, then they basically pull out and go back to uh, the, the, another grassroots explorer. Um, you know, I, I don't mind the valley of death every now and then if I'm really keen on a specific commodity that uh, where I can see that here's one that makes sense and here's one that potentially can get acquired but also there's a team in place that could build it because the thing is that what we, you know, like, like a pre-tier model, you know, where, where you could get it into production, you do it all yourself and people are just looking at you going, you know, well, just build it, you know, and, and then we'll look at it. And then you take the high cost financing initially, but you have a way of taking that high cost financing out within a year, once you're generating free cash flow, and then you, basically dress yourself up like, hey, I'm an operating asset, I'm producing, and, uh, you know, I'm in a good jurisdiction, blah, 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 and uh, you get taken out. Uh, and so I, I, I think there is, when there is a risk of development, capital escalation, or infrastructure, resource risk, whatever, and you have the technical people there to get through all of that, and then consistently show that you can make money, uh, you know, then, then you become more of a viable uh, target. So it might not be a development project gets taken out, you know, before it builds it. It might have to build it. But as Preteam showed, that's fine. Uh, as long as you have the people, and that's really the crux of it, is do you have the people to take it from, let's say, uh, you know, showing like you're selling your house for sale or can you live in it for a while to show that it functions? Uh, and, and I think the, 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 the people with teams like that are probably rare.
Okay, well, well, thank you, Joe. I think that brings us to the end of our Another Mining Podcast shit show. So thank you very much for, for joining me today and discussing this, Joe. Thanks, Paul. And that's all from me, Paul Harris. Join us for more from Another Mining Podcast soon.